Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to today's episode 11 with me, Laura Arrowsmith, and Sophie Johnson. Hello. 11, legs 11. Legs 11. I don't know why I feel like I'm a bingo caller. Legs 11. I used to 11. love bingo when I was young. Oh, I, I still love bingo. I still love bingo. Bingo, I can't wait. I need to go. Because guess what, guys? It's Freedom Week. Ba, ba, ba. It's Freedom Week. And this week, as of today, we are sat in the studio. Wherever you're listening to this, whatever day, we are maskless in the studio. Um, and that's going to form part of our podcast this week, as it's very timely that, you know, look, uh, looking at the fashion industry, looking at retail, and how this might affect it. Um, as well as that, this week, we're also going to be doing a very, very special interview. We were absolutely honoured and buzzing to be speaking to this human being. We interviewed the amazing Joy Julius. What a woman. What a woman. Absolutely fantastic. We were so, so lucky to, to chat to her. So you'll hear her amazing interview. So Joy won the Black Excellence Prize, the very, very first making history at the Graduate Fashion Foundation Awards this year. So we are absolutely buzzing to bring that interview to you as a Fashionemics exclusive. So this week's In The Know is very, very current and very, very relevant as I'm sure as you're listening to this on Thursday because, you know, every episode of The Fashion Demix comes out on a Thursday and it's the first thing you do with your morning all day <laughs> on a Thursday. Um, and you are well into the first official week of freedom in the UK. Freedom. So first of all to all our listeners, I hope you're having a really lovely week. Um, but the sun it, is shining, isn't it? Yes, it's shining. We're it's melting. Sh- the sun is shining. It's not shining in the studio and it's very sweaty in the studio, but we are here for you because we love you on our first day of freedom. This is dedication. This is dedication. Um, but what we want to really talk about today, sorry, I'm just playing with my bottle and my hairband, um, is what's going to happen? You know, we've got, you know, we have got Freedom Week in the UK, officially masks, social distancing, it all ends off today. Um, but obviously we can see around us that different people are going to react differently, um, maybe different ages, maybe different generations, um, and, and it's ultimately going to affect retail. It's going to affect fashion in some shape or form. <laughs> don't know what's wrong with me. Um, so we really want to talk about um, what we think is going to happen with retail, how things are going to change, remember how things will stay the same, and what consumers are going to, you know, take from the pandemic. Uh, presumers going to... Consu- I can't even speak today. Presumers, consumers. It's that hot. That's it why. is that hot. The words are sweating out of me as opposed to coming out of my mouth. Um, yeah, really, really fabulous today. Um, so I'm going to start with... What I'm gonna do? Yeah, I'm just gonna start oh, with. with I'm gonna start with me. I'm gonna continue to wear a mask. I mean, I'm not wearing a mask mm. in the studio right now, um, but it's very, very hot. Um, I'm gonna continue to wear a mask, and the reason being, actually, quite personal to me, and this is why I think for consumers it will just be a very personal experience that will tell you whether you feel you need to. I'm happy to share with my listeners. I don't mind people knowing that my partner um, well, he's just finished his treatment for Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. And I think it's definitely changed my perspective. I think if this hadn't happened to us over these few months, I don't know whether I would be continue to wear a mask. Um, I just feel um, as someone that has lived with someone for the last few months as, as being like critically extremely critically vulnerable under the government rules and has had to shield and protect themselves that I feel a duty of care today to those that are still in that situation we're lucky that Luca finishes radiotherapy on Friday and he was told after six weeks which falls within that week last week that he doesn't have to shield anymore which is brilliant so but I still feel there's people you know with whether it's something like asthma all the way through to cancers and stuff like that so I still feel this need to protect other people and that's just me so I mean I understand if people haven't maybe gone through what I've been feeling these last few months, that people have different perspectives and some people are going to want to take those masks off and be like, yeah, I'm going to go into a shop. I'm going to run into Primark. I'm going to go and do my food shop and pop down the George House to Isles to get some clothes and just think, stuff it. Um, I'm not going to do it. So I get that. But I think retail and shopping experiences are going to be potentially a little bit anxious. I'm in no rush to run to a store. I mean, I think throughout the pandemic, I've just learned that I can access everything online. So Mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to run out. And I think this whole Freedom Day can heighten so many people with anxiety and the nervousness of... It's just like, I can't imagine myself 
shaking anybody else's hand. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Someone like, I don't want to shake your hand. I think it was you that said to me, Laura, a while, a while ago, I remember being in a bar and like those like little pot of nuts snacks. on the side or bar snacks, snacks and you could just put yeah. your hand in to get, grab yeah. some nuts or some olives. Bowling. Remember those days? Bowling but, and sharing uh, shoes. I mean, no. ice skating. Can't do Why? it. Won't do it. I'm over it. Never and, again. And the thing is as well, like I think people, if we've lived like this for 18 months now, we've become so aware of hygiene. Will it ever go back to oh, normal? No. I think it might It might do... Oh, it's going to take some time, isn't it? But I think... I, I can't see people dropping the masks in a rush. Um, we're going to see cases spike, no doubt. I do feel a little bit cocky. I mean, despite the fact that my arm is just <laughs> so sore after my second jab. I do feel a little bit cocky, like, oh, I've had my second jab, like, I can be a bit more relaxed. And I think a lot of people will feel that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think I still will wear a mask. One, because it means I can go out of the house without wearing makeup and hide half my face, <laughs> which is a massive bonus. But yeah, I, I do feel a little bit nervous. And I think with this new, is it Delta variant, the Indian? Yeah. Yeah, that, that we can still get it, we can still carry it. And it's it's like that whole thing about you saying that you're protecting Luke and you're protecting others that are shielding I think do it at a little bit out of a mark of respect as well because we can still carry it and pass it on and um you know some of my friends are self-employed and I think god if they if they get it they are 10 days out without work without an income and that just really stresses me out for them so I think you know for that I I am gonna absolutely keep I that think mask a on. lot of people that are kind of blinded and don't have any kind of responsibility anyone that's poorly or have friends like you said that are self-employed yeah like you, people do really need to think and I get that some people are going to go out today and be like well hey and not wear a mask although I was quite happy I went into the co-op on the way this morning just grabbed some fruit on my way in and everyone I saw wore a mask and I was like oh, oh okay good. yeah I kind of expected this whole yeah, kind I'm of surprise actually yeah um so I think that's quite interesting. So I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm hoping that people will just automatically avoid, you. we're so used to keeping that space that it has become habits. I'm hoping people do that. Yeah. And like you said, they're still thinking, even though you might be fine and you've got no health worries or, or anything like that, people will just automatically think, okay, I might be okay, mm. but that other person over there could be shopping for someone that's vulnerable. And could be really nervous as well. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's the whole, I am not going to, I don't go clubbing anyway, but I'm not going <laughs> to rush out to go out and do all these things. And I think in terms of how it's going to affect retail, I think people will start going out to the shops. People, a lot of my friends say, God, I just miss being in a change room and trying stuff on. Oh, so, God, the changing room's change open. Room's open. Yeah, which I think will make a huge difference to sales. But um, I got um, a notification on my phone from ASOS today saying 20% off everything for Freedom Day. So I think it's interesting that although they're an online brand, they're still jumping on that. They're it's because still... they're aware people are going to yeah. go and have, have that experience in store. And that is the thing. Um, so I did a piece in the Retail Gazette um, just last week um, commenting on these kind of these kind of issues and topics. And that was part of, part of the conversation, actually, because the whole, you know, we've had th this spike of online retail that's been going for, you know, this, this whole online versus high street is not a new issue. Um, and even though online is, well, pre-pandemic, I'll say, was still quite high, it still wasn't, it didn't match that of in-store. Pe people were mm. still shopping more in-store. That's the facts. They're the figures. I don't have them to hand. But th there's lots of statistics and research been done to say that even though online is rising, there still isn't more people shopping online as there is. There's still people going into store. But the way that stores were competing was by offering experience. So installations, experience, you know, look at the new Primark here in Birmingham with all the different... Uh, there's restaurants, there's nail bars, there's barbers. It's a one-stop shop, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So retailers are becoming this experiential place. But what's happened with the pandemic is those things have had to go because when people have shopped, they've gone in for essentials. So, you know, I think clothing's an essential. You know that I would fight Boris Johnson on that till I die, till I go to my grave. And I do believe that uh, retail and, and fashion, to a degree, is essential. Um but people have literally, you know, people's shopping experience, they've been, especially during the start, if you think kind of March to June last year, the whole going into a shop was like a rushed experience. Yeah. Keep away from everyone. Yeah, yeah. Go, don't touch anything that you don't want. There's no browsing, there's no picking up and going, oh, do I want this? No, I'm going to put it down. There was none of that. And I think we've been, we've now in this automatic thing that we don't browse like we used to. But now we're going to have to kind of go back to that. But will we go back to that? I oh, know. You know, and you know, interesting said about the changing rooms open. So I was stressed last weekend because I had a Hindu. I had one of my many Hindus last weekend, and I'm wearing white to all my Hindus. I don't wear white very often. I'm pale as hell, so um, I've been getting my spray tans and I'm wearing white outfits. I didn't know what was going on. My lovely neighbours, Zoe and Nick, thank you, girls. 
arranged me a hen. I didn't know what I was doing. I was told to be comfortable, but glam up if I want. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell am I going to wear? I went to Primark um, on the morning of in an absolute panic. Um, because the changing rooms were closed, I picked up anything and everything. I think I picked up about four or five outfits. I was a bit, I mean, Dad, I'm really sorry. I know you think I spend too much on clothes. Um, I ended up keeping them all. <laughs> Oh, God. But, so actually, I've spent more money and I've kept them all, even though I don't bloody need them. Sorry, Dad, again, he will be listening to this on his Wednesday run. Um, but I think if the changing rooms are open, I think actually I'll spend less because I won't buy. Yeah. I'd have probably just gone in and come out with that one outfit because I've actually... Your return actually, rate would be less. Yeah, because actually you, you make those decisions in store before you get home and sometimes by the time you've got it home, you don't want to return yeah. it. So it's actually, faff, it? It even though opening the changing rooms is going to be brilliant and you're going to make more kind of certain purchase decisions and not definite purchase decisions well actually you you know you're not you probably aren't going to spend as much so maybe sales might go down in stores i don't mm. know because people will go ah, no that doesn't fit keeping it but some bit you know i'm quite good for returns if i don't want something I am. whether it's three pound or 20 pound or 50 pound it generally goes back you know all mounts up but you're gonna make that decision before you even leave the store so actually that 50 quid that you might have spent and then actually be bothered to take back you might only spend 20 pound now because you're mm. going to eliminate things in store straight away yeah i agree but i think there's going to be more competition between businesses trying to drive consumers into their store which is why i think visual merchandising is going to be more important than ever right yes, now absolutely you know, if you see a nice experience. window display with a nice outfit you're going to go into that store yeah there's going to be consumers that have missed that haven't yeah they? yeah yeah that so that's the one thing that i think will drastically change that we'll see big window displays just to kind of get people to, to, to mooch. I mean, I just walked past H&M in Leamington the other day and there was one outfit and I thought, I've got to go in, I've got to go in and, try, like, and get it. Yeah, and did you? You went and purchased it? I did, yeah, yeah. Yes. I just thought, it's just that, it, the way that they kind of put it together, I was like, that's brilliant, I want it. And maybe we didn't notice those things so much exactly. before, the, pandem- before exactly. the pandemic. I'm sorry to people that do visual merchandising for a role, but yeah, I, you know what, I can't remember the last time I walked past a shop, shop window and went, oh, yes, I need to go in and get that. That yeah. doesn't really work for me. But like you said, people are, are heightened to that now. Yeah, and it's the whole customer experience. You know, we've always said that um, in-store experiences are so, so important. It's going to be what's going to dominate the high street. Um, I know we spoke ages ago on um, a previous podcast about how the high street could change and it could be more um, residential it could be more experiences showrooms rather than actual physical stores because people are converting to online i mean i've said before or before the pandemic i'd never done an online food shop and now yeah. like that's just part of my weekly i remember thing you now. panicking i remember you were like i've got slots on sainsbury's every day yeah i was just, I was just booking, I was booking <laughs> yeah. it like weeks in advance just to kind of get a slot because but now i just think well i'm always i'm never gonna change yeah, no. that why would why would you and i think that? a lot of people feel that way about online shopping like it's just it's the convenience and um i saw a really interesting funny post last night on instagram and it was like we work eight hours we're meant to exercise an hour a day we're meant to cook a meal we're meant to wash up three times a day we're meant to meditate we're meant to do yoga we're meant to do all these things where how can we do all these things in 24 hours and i was like oh this is so true i'm so glad it's not just me that's feeling this way no absolutely and i think we've become more precious with our time and more yeah. aware of it because we spent so much more time at home i listened to a really good podcast called um law of attraction changed my life francesca amber oh my god it's just amazing i love law of attraction stuff that's a whole other um other topic but she did an amazing podcast the other day um it's based on a book i think the book's called power of focus and it breaks it down into like these four d's the four d's that you have to stick by and like ones like delegate, defer, delete, and do. Oh. And it was all this stuff. And she was talking through her process. Okay. So, what can you delegate? What are you stressing about in your day? Or is taking up too much of your time that actually someone else can do, like your partner or your parents or someone at work, whatever it might be? What do you, what do you, what are you worrying about now that you don't really need to worry about for three months' time or until next week? All this stuff. And I think it's so true. People have become really precious about time. What don't we need? What, you know. yeah, yeah, and yeah. one of her examples was the food shop. So she does uh, an online food shop for three, four days worth of food. And she's invested in HelloFresh. Um, so actually, she's now taken that whole shopping stress How? out of her life yeah. completely. And that's what people will do. And that's the thing, you know, do, are people going to go back to going in and browsing Primark? Mm. I think or any other retail store? Because actually... It, people are so used to now just going in for what they need yeah. and getting in and out to protect themselves. So it's almost become a habit that you just go in, right, I'm going into Primark, I need some 
you know, <laughs> Primark thongs. We love a Primark thong. All the girls that listen to this podcast will know exactly what I mean about the Primark lazy thongs. Three for five pound or whatever. Yep. They're brilliant. Got but you just go in for that and you stop browsing the other things because you just go for what you need because we've learned to get into this like kind of essentials mm. habit. Like, so our people... Some people might go into it, yeah, oh my God, I can breathe. I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to stress. I can just have a look. I can try things on. Or are people gonna, still going to be like, you know what, no, I'm just going to go in now. Mm. But I think it goes back to what you said about um, the Primark in, in uh, Birmingham, how it's kind of got a bit of everything. You get your nails done, your hair done, you can get something to eat, you can have a mooch. And I think that's why brands like ASOS and Farfetch'd have thrived in the pandemic because it is a one-stop shop. They have so many different brands. Yeah. Um, I read an article the other day and it was about Marks and Spencers about how they are trying to be a one-stop shop. Yeah. I think, you know, if you look at past five, even 10 years, Marks and Spencers go through peaks and troughs, don't they? And yeah, they absolutely. have gone through, they've been at the bottom and they've really, really struggled. So they, they're, you know, desperate to revamp themselves. Um, and apparently they are coming, becoming this one-shop stop and they're starting to stock brands like Jaeger, Hobbs and Jules. So you can go and have that mooch but all in one place just like how Primark are doing and I think that works really well however it could go and fall behind like Debenhams that is a one-stop shop isn't it it's the brand stole the words Mm. out of my mouth because this is what I'm confused about because all these um department stores are struggling unless they're kind of luxury and they've got that stand yeah that kind of USP and you know Harvey Nichols Selfridges all those that you know seem to be doing really really well and will continue to do well so why are these maybe like House of Fraser's Debenhams why are these department stores struggling if suddenly all these other brands are becoming the brands I mean name five brands that Debenhams stock or Debenhams did stock all I can think is John Rocher um (laughs) William William Morris? No, no that's it. Ma- Matthew Williams. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Williamson. Williams. Matthew Williamson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's all I can think of. I did get my wedding shoes from there, but only because they were a bargain. But that's the kind They're of place you would go. Yeah, yes. they were in a sale, yeah, £95 yeah. Pound down to 28 Yes, I'm a bargain I don't hunter. see Debenhams as a young consumer. I think the thing that they lacked is they targeted maybe the slightly older demographic and therefore... They are losing that customer and they weren't gaining new entries yeah. into that. Yeah, and brands have to think about that, don't they? The, the kind of the full yeah. cycle of where that consumer goes and yeah. where the new one comes in. I mean, you I worked for, for Topshop and you worked for Love, didn't you? Which was a concession within Topshop. Absolutely, And yeah, that yeah. really worked at the time because it was like for like Topshop and Love had the same clientele. So yeah. therefore it worked. And I think brands are struggling because they're not identifying who their consumer is and they're not growing the brand. So it's funny you say about Debenhams because Debenhams keeps appearing on my sponsored posts on Instagram and stuff like that. But I think it's obviously now it's owned by Boohoo. Yeah. Um, and obviously I shop there quite a bit. Like it's funny, I keep seeing. So there's this dress that I'm going to wear, I'm going to buy for my friend's Anna's wedding in a few weeks' time. Um, and it's on Boohoo, it's in my basket. It keeps appearing on a sponsored post under Debenhams. Yeah. So all the stuff, and it's the same with like Perkins and Burton, all these brands and things that Boohoo have, they're suddenly... But that, you know me, I'm one for, totally for Boohoo, and, I'm, you know, and I really love them and, and, and whatnot. But like, why are Boohoo trying to just create more Boohoo's? Know. You know what I mean? Why is Debenhams becoming Boohoo? Because that's just not going to work. It needs to be completely... Because any consumer of a certain age is not going to identify with whether Boohoo have taken over them or not. There's no, why would I go to Debenhams? It'll be interesting to see what they do with Debenhams, whether they bought it for the database because, you know, they've got ah. so much knowledge on the consumers in terms of how they shop. You have a Debenhams loyalty card, don't you? So yeah, you understand true, true. ages, demographics, locations, brands. You're buying the data, that's, aren't you? Yeah, that's big data. That's massive. You know, that's that's worth so much money to them but at the same time it's buying it when it's not your consumer so i'm really interested to see what boohoo are going to do with this yeah that's really really interesting and i think it's only time will tell over these next few weeks and again we always say we're going to revisit stuff like you know we're talking it's monday here right now it's monday it's quarter to 12 on freedom day so we don't really know what the hell is going to happen this week or in coming weeks and that's quite exciting you know i've always been for a while now yes i think the high street not Dying, dying so dramatic. It, it's not, it's changing. Changing the world, it's changing, it's developing, it's rejigging, it's doing all these things that it should do. But like, I've always thought, okay, there's a shift from high street and shopping centres to retail parks. And I think that's really true. However, I went to a retail park, obviously, as you know, you, us guys are from, well, I'm from more kind of West Midlands. Um, I went to Warsaw Retail Park. I think I was early for something the other week. There was like nothing on there. So much, like, H&M's gone, Topshop's yeah. gone, um, Peacock's has gone. All these stores, I was like, right, I need to go and get something. I was early for somewhere. And I pulled onto this retail park. I was like, there is nothing here. Like 50% of it, 
was gone. But that's why I think we really need to see a change in business rates. Is it the fact that those stores are just so expensive and it's not worth paying the staff, the stock, the location? It's a hot location. And brands saying, do you know what? I can't do it. You look at like small towns. So many shops are now turning into charity shops and, and whatnot because they simply cannot afford the business rates. They can't keep up. And I think in order to keep the high street standing, those those um, the the councils, councils and, and the need to, private need to review landlords. this. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I kind of get it because they're going to be thinking, well, we haven't had our rent paid or we haven't. So we're going to put our prices up. But then what they're doing is ostracising retailers because yeah. people are going, I, I can't afford to do that. It's, not, that's, it's not worth Whether it. that's a little independent clothing and fashion bridal boutique all the way through to a big retailer like H&M that have moved off the massive retail part. Mm. Now, you wouldn't think H&M would, I'm not saying H&M are struggling, but they've got to work together as opposed to against each other yeah absolutely Um, and that's where you know things aren't being communicated we need to look at how like you said we need to be more business minded and Mm -hmm. think about how we can make it work for anyone because we don't want to lose stores we don't want to lose retail parks we don't want to lose it's just a waste of space it is i know in banbury they have a couple of stores where if you're like a new business you can they'll they'll let you have that shop for a couple of months for free Oh, wow, just like a testing Yes, way. I don't know if that's like a, just a local thing or it's part of that council or if, if it is a national thing, but I think that's a flipping great but idea. it's like a loss leader, isn't it? Like yeah. you kind of give a little bit to get something back and it's about that kind of attention and loyalty. So it's, yeah, it's all yeah. that B2B, isn't it? It's about businesses need to work with businesses to support everyone. We've all been through this. Everyone's lost money in some shape or form. So how can retailers, how can the fashion industry work? And, There's got to be a drastic change for this to work, else we unfortunately are going to lose the high street. And when I think, like, it's not too bad for us because we're a bit more tech savvy, although we are struggling with TikTok, but oh, bear with us. Help us. But when I think about my parents, my grandparents that like to go around the town and have a little mooch, but even things like going to the local butchers, like, oh, you can't yeah. really, you can do it online, but it's just not, it's not, not the, the same. same. And it's like, is it is the high street going to end up being hairdressers and you know places where you physically have no choice but to go in like to get your hair done you can't do it online no and and the high street's gonna change but I think that would be so so sad because we need that experience and I don't want it to be where we just sat in front of our laptops and computers 24 7 no that's so true I you know I I do like going in especially for some of the retailers that I I like don't like Primark Mm. again (laughs) How many times can Sophie mention Primark on a podcast? Um, so, you know, there's going to be retailers that, that need to stay and, and need to be there. But, I mean, like I said, am I anxious about being in a store around people with masks? I am a little yeah, bit, I yeah. Am. Oh, only because... Without masks. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Around people without masks. We could, just because, I mean, I mean, I don't know if I, I've spoken about this before, but um, I remember going to B&M last year, just before Christmas. And like before, I, I would never be bothered. I could be in the busiest Primark in the world and I wouldn't care. Yeah, same. Because people being around me, I don't care. Like, I'm quite uh, confident like that. I don't mind. But I remember being in B&M just before Christmas last year. And I think because obviously we'd had like a good like eight, nine months of, of COVID restrictions and social distancing. It was mental in that. There's no way on earth the store was at their correct capacity. Sorry, yeah. being now. I don't know if it happened by mistake or whatever. But there were so many people around me. It sent me into an anxious mm. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I've got to get out. And I just walked I out. a lot of do people it. feel that way. We're not used to it. Oh, we're, 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 well, we are now used to space. We're not used yeah. to people being around us. But if someone's around you and close to you with a mask, it's one thing. Being around and close to you without a mask now. So I hope the people that decide not to wear masks just respect and remember those things, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just going to be really interesting because we want people to go and physically shop so we don't lose the high street but we also want to protect ourselves and our loved ones as much as humanly possible. Yeah, and it depends what the shops are going to do. Like, you know, Boris has made it common sense, common sense for consumers to decide what they want to do, but also common sense to the stores. We were talking just now about certain clubs in Birmingham that have said vaccine passports, it's all, you know, recommended. And, you know, a retailer is going to be the same. A retailer is going to say, no, continue continue to wear your mask. What about their staff? There could be staff in there today that have woken up this morning feeling so anxious thinking, I've got this, mm. or I've got a daughter, a son, a, an elderly parent at home. I still need to protect myself. But I just hope that people don't go in. You know, all these kind of COVID conspiracy people that you know, don't believe it. And you, you know what? Everyone is welcome to their opinion. But please don't today, this is our Fashionemics plea, go in and make anyone feel uncomfortable. Let's all support each other. And again, you know, it is the, I think it's the We're right time. We're in this together. I think it's the right time. Not just we because are I'm getting first, married in four weeks. but um. We are the first country to do this, though. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how we react. But I don't know... At the beginning, we, we did vaccinate the most people as quickly as possible. Yeah. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers, if the numbers rise, I'm being a bit pessimistic here, of course they are, but in terms of people passing away with the virus, it is quite low. Yeah, they're starting to break that, that link, as they've yeah, said. Yeah, I don't know whether that's because people are vaccinated. Yeah. Who knows? But I guess the next three weeks will be crucial. So, you know, just go about your daily business. Don't rush yourself. Don't feel pressured. If everybody's going out and you feel a bit hesitant, that is absolutely fine. You know, the, the high street isn't going to disappear in the next couple of months. It's going to be around for a while. And even if it does flop, it's going to adapt. Everything adapts and evolves. And it's absolutely. a sign of the times. Absolutely. So we'll discuss this again um, and we'll say, you know, again, three months, six months. Yeah. The what high happens? street was struggling before this anyway. Yeah. So this has been like a long time coming in, term, in terms of evolving. Yeah. So I think the next couple of months is going to be really interesting. And it's but, the right time. Yeah. I, I do think, I'm sorry, and some people don't agree, it's the right time. Because when is, it's like having a baby, it's about having a baby, when is the right yeah. time? Because there's always going to be school holidays, then it's going to be Christmas. And then well, you never this, say, oh, October it's just the right after. time for me to have new tyres on my car. No. You're just not going to do it. Let's just let's just go with it, guys. Let's yeah. all be respectful and just see where retail goes. And if you can, shop local. So today we feel very, very honoured to have a super amazing guest. We're super excited to have Joy Julius, um, who is joining us today. Uh, a graduate, recent graduate from Kingston University, but the winner of the uh, very, very first, so a moment in history, Black Excellence Award with um, Graduate Fashion Foundation, um, which is sponsored by We Are Face. Um, so welcome, Joy. Hello. Hi, Joy. Hi, hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. Oh, you and too. you too. We definitely sabotaged Joy this morning. Yes. We were like, yes, we need to speak to Joy. She's like, yeah, I'm free. Amazing. Um, so first of all, a huge congratulations. Yes. I've got a round of applause in. Yeah. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, Joy. Yes, Joy. So you are primarily a fashion designer and a fashion graduate from Kingston University. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your kind of career so far, the inspiration behind your collection? We we also know you had a, a scholarship as well with Tommy Hilfiger, which is pretty cool. So tell us about you. So well, my name is Joy Julius. Um, I study uh, at Kingston University, the actress Kingston School of Art uh -huh. uh, in London. And um, about the Kingston uh, about the Kingston scholarship with um, Tommy Hilfiger, um, that was actually a project in the in the second year. Oh wow. Of of my course, uh, where we have industry projects. So you have like um, uh, brands that give give out projects to students, and uh, the winner gets an internship with them. Um, and we had a few brands come in that year, yeah, including Tommy Hilfiger, and I won that scholarship um, with them to work at the Runway and Collection um, team. Wow. Uh, in Amsterdam for a year. So oh. That was, that was amazing. Oh, of wow. course, yes. yeah. Because my friend works at the head office there in uh, Amsterdam as well. So what an amazing experience. Wow. That was super, super fun. Um, so that's, that's that. <laughs> and um, so, yes, after my internship, um, the, the world was going a bit, yeah, with Pandemic, COVID, yes. <laughs> the big COVID. Yeah. Mm. No, uh, and um, so I went to Switzerland, and I think I'm not really exact with the time of um, when the protest started. The Black Lives Matter was yeah. uh, way before um, the NSARS um, protests, uh -huh. but the NSARS protest was the um, was the protest happening in Nigeria mm -hmm. um, against the, the police brutality, the um, the um, anti-robbery squad in Nigeria mm -hmm. that to started like assaulting people and um, abusing and just being completely um, how do you call it? Like abusing their platform, yeah, they their just authority, isn't it? Abusing authority, but that's been going on for years and years. And I think mm -hmm. the protests really affected me somehow because it's it felt very close to home. Absolutely. I had family yeah. who has witnessed that type of abuse, and um, yeah. So while I was researching for my collection, um, I got inspired by not inspired, but I just wanted to respond to what was going on, and mm -hmm. I start researching you know um my traditional garments um traditional 
traditional um, silhouettes and clothing. And I was thinking, how do I empower people to like fight against this, mm. these, you know, authorities, police figures. And so I decided to combine those two worlds and create like a new type of silhouette um, using utility wear, uh, utility um, detailing and those very traditional shapes. And, and yeah, so a mix of everything and and voila (laughs) absolutely beautiful collection from from the photos and instagram and the things that i've seen in in the news and on american vogue wow british vogue as well i've just seen on your instagram you're in british vogue oh my god what an achievement that is fantastic (laughs) yes it's it's lovely to hear like with any designer isn't it it's lovely to hear where that where that inspiration and where the heart is in in the collection um, yes. I yes. mean, the images on your Instagram are absolutely fantastic. And I noticed that you said about using dead stock fabrics and how you use traditional Nigerian tie dye to create your pieces. And that, tell yes. us more about that. Yes. Yeah, so, um, again, um, during my internship at Tommy, I got um, very exposed to like dead stock yeah. because they would just put some, some fabrics in boxes. So I would always go back above the boxes and pick my favorite fabrics just because you know they were there it's a great sustainability approach as well isn't it in terms of waste and um yeah using that so that's great love that yeah i i felt very very privileged to have a whole suitcase full of amazing fabrics and i was also donated some um fabric on my my last week there so it was amazing and so basically i i used those fabrics um i had those fabrics and I thought, told myself, how can I um, use what I've got to create yeah. um, a Nigerian, Yoruba, you know, feel to it because mm. that was the theme of my collection. So I started manipulating the colors of the fabrics. Like if they were brown, I would say, okay, how can I take out color? And would it work if I tie that, if I tie dyed it and put it back, you know, into uh, indigo color would that be you know I I put some I did some um, bleaching it's not very sustainable but it's you win one and you lose one somehow you, I feel like it's it's really hard when it comes to sustainability to be a hundred percent sustainable with everything yes but um challenge. I ended up yeah coming just using my fabric everything I had not buying anything or sourcing any mm. other fabric love, and love. yeah coming up with this palette of um, blues that I created, which were the tie-dyed, tie-dyed, um, um, yeah, cl- clothing that I had, and they were not white initially. Mm. Some of most of them, actually, some of them, and yeah, I just got them to that color. Absolutely, <laughs> which fantastic. was very exciting. I, I, <laughs> to I, do. That makes me love your collection even more. That you've considered all these different approaches, and there's more depth to just what you see on the catwalk mm-hmm. just more depth to just the collection itself it's the whole story it's like your yes. career story as yeah. well and how you yeah. absolutely influenced. it's beautiful but what i'd like to know a bit Thank more you. about is your interview with vogue because to me that is that is the peak and i think that is such an incredible thing to be a part of and you know did you go out and buy um you know the the the, the vogue magazine or was it online or tell us a bit more about that my interview uh, with at Vogue yes yes um so this app actually happened um after the awards mm-hmm. um after the awards um I got approached by Sarah Sarah Mora yeah and she I think she's already had uh, an eye on me because of the type of uh, award I had won yeah which was the Black Excellence Prize and it was an association with FACE um as she's also a FACE member um Ah, yes this was basically um yeah she wanted to hear about the collection and um really bring out you know this the face members and what the association was about and me being the first winner and yeah I think that was that was the way it all started somehow and also she she just took me apart I think yeah right after the awards yes and so we had a talk she interviewed me about everything so she had the whole you know perspective of my 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 life journey and like the 
collection, the purpose, and just just everything really was amazing. She was amazing. I'm an amazing interviewer. Oh, I'm so glad. It's yeah, it's just such an achievement, and so beautiful. And I think, you know, this award is such a st- a, a huge milestone and an absolute necessity and step in the right direction. Obviously, the yes. fashion industry needs to step up and, and do so yes. much more. But is there anything yes. specifically you think, you know, that you would like to see the fashion industry do in terms of, you know, moving forward and creating that, you know, inclusivity and diversity within the fashion industry? Yes, like um, already with something like like this award, um, I think it, it really just um, bring it, brings out you know, different perspectives and views mm. and creativity that would maybe otherwise not have been um, seen yeah. and or understood, you know, when seen, when, 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 you know, the people judging it or the people um, seeing it that do not understand where it derives from, you know, and I have, I feel like, there should be more people of color, more people, more diversity Absolutely. in the judging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, then there is more, there is more um, understanding, you know, of what's coming. Not just one type of people always judging. And, Absolutely, and knowledge is power, know, isn't it? And we need to see knowledge more is of this. power, yeah. diversity, and that's also the big thing. So, more people of color, more black people, also in the in the higher, in the bigger, in the within the industry not just yeah yeah you know at one certain level but you know as a creative director you know as a designer as photographers as head of you know houses as so that you know it helps all that knowledge for sure to be to be distributed within the industry and not just you know yeah i think that's that's what i can imagine needs to happen in order yeah um yeah I think that's amazing things to change really yeah and things do need to change and you know what I, was, I said to you before we started that myself and Laura are, are lecturers and obviously we 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 teach and I, I predominantly teach um, across second and third year and it's been really amazing this year to work with some of my third year students at Birmingham City University that are doing um lots of um lots of projects around diversity you know one of one of my students was doing a whole um, project around diversity in the fashion industry, more from like a business perspective. She's not a designer, um, but looking at um, virtual reality and training in diversity and all these things. And it's so amazing to see as lecturers, students um, that want to go and challenge it. Mm. I think oh, I've been lecturing now for seven years and uh, it's, I'm so proud of the students that kind of go out and like want to tackle sustainability, want to go and tackle race, want to go and tackle disability in the fashion industry and really open up conversations and make a change. So I really feel like confident that hopefully with this kind of push of new graduates with all these new perspectives. Yeah, there's a generation that want to see change, you yes. know, and, and, and have mm-hmm. that movement in so many different directions. So, it's so refreshing. Yeah, it's so it? refreshing. So mm-hmm. tell us it's a bit more about, about the year. It's a self-nominated award um, and you obviously would have applied for that um and how mm-hmm. how what was what was the process like how was the award ceremony tell us all the exciting stuff <laughs> well um I actually got um these emails from my tutors um they I think I've yeah I've got a tutor who is also part of FACE uh-huh. and um she was already pushing um you know the surveys for FACE and like information about the the association and she was, she was really trying to make people like um see this new um organization amazing association. yeah um and so she also uh sent me the link to the to the competition and told me you know you need to apply for this this is going to be great and yeah um she sent that to a few of our other you know um students and i also got that from my main tutor as well actually um and and yeah, so I, I I got really curious, and I thought, okay, you know what? There is an award for you know people of color. Like it's never happened before. I was a bit you know skeptical, like mm, what what you know. Mm-hmm. I applied, and um, it was great because I was like, you know what? You, you don't really lose anything, and 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 yeah, knowing that. The judges were gonna probably understand my collection, mm-hmm. you know, 
because it's so it was so personal to me and so personal to my culture as well in a way mm-hmm. it was it was it was really exciting to see and getting shortlisted that was crazy I was you know really <laughs> excited I was like wow I got you know graduate fashion week you know um you know shortlists you know and when I find out found out I was a finalist that was you know <laughs> incredible I knew I was gonna win an award um I was gonna be mentioned and that was already you know super cool and but when I did win it I was not expecting expecting that and you know being skeptical about the collection I was kind of risking it in the beginning because it was um it was not very um it was not the most how do you put this um it was quite a risky collection for me I felt because it was so it it came from a very cultural Mm. research and it wasn't very common, you know, I was like, people might not understand it, people, it might not even be graded properly, you know, like, not properly, but it might not be, have the grade that it deserved because maybe it's not understood. And it's it's just crazy, the things that's happened for, since then. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, just made me realise that, you know, just be authentic always. And Yeah, be true to you, know, you and who you are be and true your culture to you and... and- that's incredible. Yeah. So what? And the story what mark, will just come out. What mark did you get? Have you got Ooh. a mark yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> oh, well, you'll have to let us know how you get on with that. Yes, yes. So yes. my last question for you, Joy, is what is next? What, you know, is there an, a brand that you aspire to work for or is it about creating your own brand? You know, what, what are we going to see from you coming up? So that's uh, that has been the big question. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure, I can imagine. The one. But um, I actually have always felt like I needed to do something um, because of very like different factors. But um, right now, I have been talking to a friend of mine who is Somali um, and she and Somali British. She's also a graduate from um, Kingston University 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been talking about creating this brand together, um, talking about both our experiences and merging those experiences into, you know, looks and just make, bringing our conversations through them as well. Um, she, she is Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I feel very, I feel, I, I feel her creativity and I, 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 I can really associate myself with her. And mm-hmm. I think we could really, you know, um, create something interesting. And, and as two black women, two different sides of Africa experiencing, you know, Europe and I'm Swiss. She's in, it. We've got so much, so much stories, so wow. many things to share, and I think that's what the, the the next step is for me to adventure myself into this collaboration with her. Wow. Well, we will we'll be looking out for that because that sounds in, an incredible mix of cultures and and passion. Yes. And like you said, if you've got that connection, I think that's going to really come across in your collection, as that's clearly come across in in your your final collection that was submitted. So. Absolutely fantastic. I honestly feel really honoured to be speaking to you today. Me too. Um, it was fantastic listening thank you to you so and much. story. And I think Beautiful. it's it's really important platform as well for we are faced to you know to be to be exposed um, you know as as a a business as a, an organisation that are looking to to challenge higher education and, and yeah. colleges yes. and universities and yes. and work with the fashion industry, work with the graduates and and make a change. So we are I honestly feel really privileged to have spoken to you. We will be watching. Um, for what you do next and hopefully maybe in six <laughs> six months 12 months time we'll be getting both of you on we can talk about your collection that'd yes. be incredible we'd love yes. to keep in touch thank you so so much for for having me thank you it joy. was amazing amazing interview thank oh you. thank you joy take care <laughs> thank you okay guys i like to know today is the wonderful brand beauty bay who posted a brilliant Instagram post saying hot girl summer question mark scrap that we're having a no shame summer and they posted a girl in her natural beauty yeah flaws and all but that's what we love and that's what we're embracing 
And we just thought that, you know, Snapsies for them, it was something to applaud. Um, we also wanted to tie in the fact that Norway are saying that any influencer will have to declare if their figure or features have been edited and if they have used a filter through a government-approved label. And I think this just goes hand in hand about how so many people edit their images before they go on filter. I mean, I can say that I've done it a couple of times. I've, re you know, I've said to myself for months and months, I'm just not doing it anymore. I am who I am. But I think it's that social media pressure of you know, you only post your perfect self on Instagram, you only want people to see you in your best light. And I think it comes down to insecurities. But I love the fact that brands are jumping on the bandwagon and coming together and saying, do you know what, I applaud who I am, at flaws and all, you know, I might yeah. have lumps mm -hmm. and bumps, stretch marks, or a couple of spots or acne, and that's okay, and that is normal. And that, but that what's important here is that it comes from a really authentic place. Yes. So next week, we're going to talk about greenwashing and marketing uh -huh. and brands doing things to jump on the bandwagon and and actually in question. It's not part of their true business model. It's just, is it, you know, is it hype? Yeah, but on the other side of that, like we said today, it's really, really key that we bring like these brands to the table and we talk about the ones that are doing it and doing it so well like this post if anyone has hasn't seen it it's this beautiful beautiful young lady and she's got visible acne on the picture hasn't mm -hmm. she very visible acne and i sent it to laura last week i was like this is amazing shopped at beauty bay a few times buying different products think it's fab um and the comments were just amazing people were so thankful and just like i've got really bad acne i've got this condition i've got this my skin isn't perfect i'm so glad to see a beauty brand yep. breaking all of those norms and saying hey acne's beautiful this is just the skin we're in do you know what it makes me want to shop with them because i'm thinking this is real you know when you see brands that have these you know perfect unattainable look you, i feel like i can't really shop there I mean, especially from someone, you know, I've struggled with acne for years. It's always been um, a real confidence knocker for me, you know, especially being a lecturer, standing up in front of a room of 100 people when you feel insecure, you feel rubbish. You know, I've, I've really battled with that. Um, so to see a brand that are, especially a makeup brand as well, saying, you know, we support this. These are real women and we've got products that, might make you feel a little bit more confident or to me that makes me think okay cool I yeah. want to go shopping well, beauty the, bay. the beauty industry has been so much about covering everything about that flawless skin and yeah. like getting the heaviest foundation and filters yeah. let's let's do your makeup and let's stick you in front of a ring light yeah and let's then edit lumps and bumps and you will think that you will look this way if you buy our products. That's not real. And that is just a disappointment. So yeah. I love the fact as well that Norway are saying, you know, we are, if you are an influencer and if you edit your body, edit your face, anything like that, you have to declare it. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's come at a really nice time. I think we said a few weeks ago on one of the podcasts about could we return to work with no makeup? And we had a bit of a yes. thing on Instagram. And it's 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 brands like this that are making it okay. And make, I'm not saying there's, there's nothing wrong with a full face. If you're into it and you I'm want to. not. Whack, you know. I, that's the thing. You be you. You wear what you want to wear. Like this weekend, it was my friend's wedding. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. McNamee. Woohoo. And I was bridesmaid and I had my makeup done and I wanted it. I wanted all my, you know, and I was like, oh, can you make sure these bags are done? And, and that was fine. But you know what? I'm sat in the studio now barefaced. I'm going off um, this afternoon on my annual leave. Woohoo. Um, and I'll probably just put my, my CC cream on. And like people are starting, to, instead of having like this like one makeup routine for like one occasion, yeah. like, people are starting to adapt how they feel in certain situations. And that is just amazing. And I do think it's a bit of a, a post-pandemic thing because we've been so used to being at home. Oh, absolutely. I used to travel through insecurity and now I feel far more kind of like, not happy in my own skin, but I don't need a full face of makeup to go to the shop, to go Absolutely walk the dog. Not. You know, especially as I, you know. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank yeah, because you. Laura used to say to me, no, I wouldn't even leave the house. Never, because my skin has just been so bad. I've really battled with it. Um, yes, I'm on acne treatment for it, which has helped, but I don't feel the need to 
trowel it on. Yeah. But I think also like to try to try and look after my skin. I was told by my dermatologist to try and not put anything on my face apart from SPF. Yeah. So I've almost been forced to do it. But that's really helped me. Because like a vicious cycle, doesn't it? Because you cover it up and you make it worse, and then yeah, just it helps. Let it breathe, guys. But let it breathe. I think what Norway's done is really, really interesting and really amazing. And I think hopefully it will come through. Um, so I read, I read a, a really interesting article about a, a lady called Sasha in from Western Supermare. Um, that started a hashtag uh, in 2018 and it was um, a hashtag um, about kind of banning filters um, and as it filter drop. So drop the filters and it was kind of a, a awareness kind of campaign hashtag to kind of get the attention of the advertising standards authority and they did pick up on it um, and they have commented on it this year and saying that actually um, filters should not be applied to social media adverts if they exaggerate the effect. One hundred percent. So that it should be illegal. Exactly. At the moment, it's more like that's a greenwashing. Exactly. That is greenwashing. It, it's you know, um, which is really interesting. But uh, you know, the way that we saw a few years ago, um, ASA make influencers put on when they're being promoted or sponsored or being paid. I think this maybe is where it will go. And yeah, affiliate links, yeah, sponsor. It should we, be if we start to think about taking links from countries like Norway. I think that would be amazing. I, mean, I don't know how true this is as well. I did hear or read. Not a Love Island fan. That Love Island banned filters when applying for, um, applying for the show this year. And I know I really do hope that that is true. Um, and it's just yeah, it's just lovely. You know, we in- interviewed Lounge from our Lounge and oh, our very first love. podcast. If you look on the um the um social media, it's just amazing. You know, from, it's real women, isn't it? It's, it's just, just so real stretch marks normal. and all those That's things. What it it's is just like it's so it's so lovely to see that we are really breaking away. So kudos to Beauty Bay for making us all feel comfortable yep, well in our done, own skin. Beauty Bay. So thank you so much for joining us for Legs 11, number 11 episode of the Fashademics. It has been absolutely wonderful as always. Um, Laura just about got it through it with her very achy Pfizer arm. Um, she's double jab now. Yay! I'm feeling sorry for myself. So we'll update you on Laura's vaccine progress. <laughs> At least you can got a vaccine passport now. That's true. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. Next episode is very exciting. We are <gasps> talking all things greenwashing, yeah, what's happening in the industry. And we are joined by the incredible talented photographer that is Rebecca Spencer and still we will be fangirling because she is incredible still not over it that she said yes I feel like I'm getting married <laughs> <laughs> make sure you tune in please rate and subscribe us on Apple Spotify wherever you get your podcasts and please follow us on Instagram thank you so much and we'll speak to you soon ta for now bye bye <laughs>